Well, good morning, church. Uh, it's so nice to be able to be with you again, even though we're doing this online. I hope you're remaining safe and staying in quarantine. And we will continue to have church this way uh, until the government authorities indicate that we can get together. We continue to pray for that, and we ask God to protect you. Let's open this service with a prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've protected our people. Lord, I ask you that you reach out to this land and touch this land and take this virus away, Father. Restore this land to health and bring those who you want to, Lord, to reach, to bring them to the cross of Jesus Christ. And now, Lord, I ask you that this message be your message, inspired by the Holy Spirit, as we put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'm going to speak to you today about uh, chapters 1 and chapters 2 in the book of Joshua. Uh, and I believe this is an important lesson for us today, and I'm entitling this message, Experiencing the Truth of God. And so here you have the Jewish people who for 40 years have been wandering around in the wilderness with Moses, uh, and God is teaching them what it means to be the people of God. And Moses finally uh, is brought home uh, to God in heaven, uh, and not permitted to walk into the promised land. And so instead now, Joshua will be the leader that brings the people of Israel into the promised land after 40 years. And so one of the main lessons we learned from the book of Joshua appears early on uh, in verse three of chapter one, where it says, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. And so you see this, this promise of God to the Jewish people that wherever they walk, wherever they put their foot down, that will be their territory. And so 40 years had passed. 40 years had passed since God had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Uh, Moses was dead, but God had not changed his mind. God had remained consistent. Uh, and so the principle that God used in bringing them uh, out of Egypt remained the same. Uh, and that promise was clearly enunciated as clearly, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And so the principle is clear. Jesus demonstrated it better than anybody else. And that's articulated in John chapter 8, verse 29. And that citation is, for I always do those things which please him. And so Moses was the man who tried and gave the people of Israel the law, but without the land. And Joshua would now be the man who trusted in God and who would give them the land in which they would practice the law. Uh, and so had Moses been alive to hear this message from Joshua to the people uh, of Israel, a lesser man than Moses might have been somewhat bitter uh, and saying, well, who does Joshua think he is to think that in three days they're going to walk into the promised land after I've been leading them for 40 years? Well, the answer is quite clear, uh, and that is Joshua wasn't doing anything himself. It was God leading the people. Uh, and so uh, why don't we uh, open our Bibles and look at Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. 
I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that last verse is the promise to us today as it continues. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so continuing on, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their forefathers to give them to be strong and be courageous, be careful and obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And so you see the promise of God telling them, I will be with you, I will not abandon you, but be consistent, obey the law, be righteous in the law, meditate on it day and night. And so what you see here. Uh, is God giving instructions uh, to the Jewish people through Joshua uh, and, and promising that on the third day, on the third day, they would cross the Jordan River. Uh, and this is an amazing promise. On the third day, they would cross the Jordan River. This, again, is another foreshadowing of the third day, the fact that Christ would rise up from his grave on the third day. And so clearly, uh, when we study scripture, we know that, that that is enunciated often, the third day. Here's another example. And so the land of Canaan, the promised land, frankly, is nothing less than the believer's enjoyment on this earth, in this world of the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. This is important because, yes, when we believe in Jesus, we know we're going to heaven. Uh, we're going to be together with our families and friends who are Christians. But it's a promise in this world as well that we will be able to enjoy the promised land here, now, God's promises for his people, the kind of life that he has for, for you. And so here in these verses, we see the Lord say that the land is already yours. It's up to you to step out and you need to do that. So you need to apply your abilities and talents and gifts and step out. And as you step out, Whatever you step on will be yours. That will be your land. There will be no limitation as to the people of God. And so the lesson again is for us today uh, is that Joshua could be strong and courageous and mighty as long as he humbled himself within the will of God, that he meditated on the law of God day and night. Uh, and God said that very clearly in verses 7 and 8 here in this passage in Joshua chapter 1. He warned him the word, God's word, was not to depart out of his mouth, that he needed to meditate upon it day and night and to speak to others about that as well. And so that becomes an important lesson for us. We need to meditate on the word of God, especially now. During these times of quarantine and stress, you need to be reading your Bible daily and you need to be meditating on the word, thinking about the word, repeating the word. It is the very word of God that will empower you and protect you and lead you up uh, and keep you from being depressed. And so you see this here very early on in the life of the Jewish people as they now are to take possession of uh, the promised land. 
Uh, and, and so they cross the Jordan River. Uh, God dries up the Jordan River so that they can walk across it. Incredibly, all that happens within three days. And so now they will be witnesses to the very power of God. They will be witnesses to the very power of God because one of the things that's going to happen here is that they're going to come across a person who was a pagan, who was lost by every kind of definition that a human being would have. No one would ever say that this lost person would ever be seen as a child of God. And yet God would save this woman, Rahab, uh, this woman who lived in this promised land, who was a prostitute. And so she's a pagan. She's living a dissolute life. And yet within the perfect will of God, uh, God is going to show what his truth can do to the lost people, even to the lost people in Canaan, as God instructs the Jewish people uh, to move forward and take, take uh, possession of that. And so if you turn to Joshua chapter 2, you're going to begin to see the power of God here. Uh, and so uh, uh, Joshua sends over two spies. Uh, and we'll look at that, Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go over, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. And so there it is. They've, they've effectively cornered these Israelites in Rahab's house. Uh, and so they're about to search this house. And so Rahab has a decision to make. Uh, will she be with the people of God? Will she protect the people of God? Or will she go along with her culture? the worldliness that she grew up with, the, the uh, familiar culture of her life. Will she make the decision to step out for God or will she step out for, for her culture? And if you read in verse four, it said, uh, but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went, Go after them quickly, you may catch up with them. And so you see that she's effectively trying to spare these men, even though she's being questioned about where they've gone. She indicates that, yeah, they came into my house, but they've already left. Uh, and so uh, it's important that you see God is beginning to work on her heart. Uh, and I want you to see really how you begin to see this woman come to the Lord. Uh, and so uh, she says that then in verse 6, but she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. So now they've left her house, they've moved on, and now she is there uh, with the Israelites. Uh, and so now you're going to begin to look at her heart and see what God is doing uh, in her heart. And so you see this here uh, as she speaks now in verse 8. Before the spies lay down for the night, she's hiding them in her house, she went up on the roof, which is where she hid them, and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you 
and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. There you see the recognition, even by this pagan, of the power of God, uh, the power of Jehovah. She knew it. She had heard about it. The whole country was in fear. Uh, even though the, the Jewish people didn't recognize that, that the uh, pagans were in fear of them, clearly it was. And so now she begins to open her heart as God begins to pour his grace and faith into this pagan. Verse 10, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Amen to that. There you see this powerful confession uh, of this woman who did not know God at this point, who was not part of the chosen people, but who sits there and is protecting uh, the Israelites and is telling them that God has touched her heart, that she recognizes that Jehovah is the God of the universe. He is truly God on heaven uh, and on earth. Uh, and so what you see here is that while she was in a degenerate position, uh, both uh, in this country as a pagan and as a, and as a prostitute, yet she experienced the power of faith, of believing in God through grace. She knew the power of God along with the testimony of, the, of his works on behalf of the Israelites. Uh, and so she feared God. And I think a, a better word even saying from fearing God was she respected God. She respected God. And so what you see here is the evidence of the conversion of her heart. And so Rahab's dramatic uh, conversion was proven by a definite confession. And that's how you know that someone is saved. Not only do you see them uh, make a statement that they may believe, but then you see it in their heart followed by their action. And so in addition to her very words, uh, her actions in aiding the, the men, hiding them, buttress the fact that she was now wholly and completely dependent upon God for her salvation. Uh, and so what you see here is the evidence of a true heartfelt conversion. She was saved. She was saved not only because she said the words, she was saved because she lived the life and acted out and showed it completely in her life. Look, if you would, to Romans chapter 10, uh, verse uh, verses, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's good will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, don't be conformed to the people that you live in. Don't be conformed to the world where you are. Don't be copping out by saying, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. No, that's not how God wants us to live. God's not interested in that. Instead, God wants you to stand up for the truth and righteousness of Jesus Christ, for the truth and sovereignty of God. And she did that here. And, and also, when you understand what it means to be saved, look at Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Uh, and again, speaking about salvation. 
And here it is in, in Romans 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There it is. There's no theology 101. There's no number of courses that you have to take. No amount of money that you have to give. No, it's a very simple prescription. And what it says here is if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. What an incredible uh, simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you see this. And so God honored this woman. Uh, it is a great example to us of the truth of God, as we entitled this message, uh, and how God forgives our past works. You've heard me say it so many times that your sins, once you come to the Lord, are as far as the east is from the west. Well, here you have that example uh, in bold letters. Here is a woman who was a prostitute, who was living in this land of degenerates, in this pagan land, in which this land, these people are going to be wiped out in a short period of time. The city of Jericho is going to be destroyed, all right? No one is going to be able to walk out of there. God is going to wipe this place off the map, and yet this woman will be saved. And not only will she be saved, but she is going to be listed as one of the heroes of faith. She becomes effectively right here the first Gentile believer to become part of the kingdom of God. Absolutely. She's number one. And so as, as we study this, she will be listed in God's hall of fame of faith. Uh, and that, you know, is found in Hebrews. Uh, and not only that, but you will see that Rahab's name will also appear in the lineage of Jesus Christ. When you see Matthew, you will see that that her name will show up in the very lineage of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine being honored like that? That not only, not only would you be saved, but God would, be, would lift up your name uh, with such honor that in, as the lineage of Jesus Christ is listed in Scripture, your name would appear uh, in Matthew 1. And so uh, there's only three other women listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and, and she is one of those three. And so... Now, now I want you to drill down and look, as we look at Joshua chapter 2, I want you to look at verses uh, from verse 12. Now she speaks to them personally uh, and, and seeks to have her family saved as well. And so now in verse 12, she says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them, that you will save us from death. There it is uh, in this confession to the, to the Jewish uh, men, really speaking to God. Save me, God, not only, not only me, Lord, but reach out and save my family. Protect them during this invasion. And so in verse 14 there, the men respond, our, respond, our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If they don't tell what we are doing, if you don't tell rather what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. 
What a powerful, powerful passage this is as you see God reaching out to her and promising to protect her. And so she lets down in verse 14 to 16, she lets down, verse 15, so she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. I want you to get it. The house is part of the wall of Jericho. And so she opens an opening there, puts a rope out the window and lets them down outside the city wall. And then she said, now, she said in verse 16, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return and then go on your way. Now, how amazing is that? Again, three days. Go and hide yourselves three days. Now it comes out of the mouth of a pagan. Three days. You see again the foreshadowing of the death of Jesus Christ, the foreshadowing of his life uh, as it uh, foreshadows this entire story, uh, this incredible story. And so what we see here, uh, uh, she is told to put a scarlet cord in her window and the entire house would be saved during the attack. Uh, And so by hanging a scarlet cord from the window frame, uh, you can imagine what that would look like. <coughs> Excuse me. It would effectively be forming a cross as she would be doing it. And so the same image that saved the people of Israel in the Passover when they applied blood to the top of the window uh, of frames and door frames that effectively made, this, made the sign of a cross, again, letting down a scarlet cord in her window would also be uh, symbolic of the cross. And so, in fact, uh, whether it is a Jew or a Gentile, the message is clear and always the same. It is the cross of Jesus Christ that saves people from destruction. Can you imagine the power of this story? Now, this is written now. This story is written some uh, 12, 1300 years before Christ would be uh, born. And so from man's perspective, and let's look at man's perspective. From man's perspective, Rahab was not in an ideal situation to come to faith to the one true God. She was a citizen of a wicked city. Uh, She was part of a wicked pagan culture. She had not benefited from the godly leadership of Moses or Joshua, uh, yet she had heard the stories of God. She had heard about the power of God. And so by hearing, she came to a correct conclusion. And so what you see here is that God reaches those who open their hearts, who have interest. And so God reached her. He heard the stories and he poured faith into her heart so that as she reached out from the depths and misery of her heart, she reaches out to the God of creation. The God of creation answers and she is saved. Not only that, Uh, She is saved and her entire family is saved as well. And so Rahab effectively serves as a foreshadowing of the church and Gentile believers. This is important because what you see here is that God is making it clear that even with Rahab, he's not going to limit his salvation just to the Jewish people. He's going to open it up to the entire world. She becomes the first Gentile. Uh, And God speaks eloquently about this to us uh, in a number of places. Look, if you would, uh, to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, 
not by works, so that no one can boss, boast. Uh, boast. And so you see this. You have been saved by grace, having nothing to do with anything that you did other than uh, allow yourself to receive that free gift. Uh, you cannot boast about it. God, God did it because it was God's love that did it. And so you saw it here. As she hung out that scarlet cord, she would be saved and her import, entire family would, would be saved. Look also to Acts chapter 4, uh, in which we see another passage that speaks on this issue. Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men which we must be saved. There it is. There it is. Salvation comes by no other name than Jesus Christ. No other name, no other way. Don't let people uh, confuse you or confuse the gospel and indicate that there are many ways to come to God. There's not. We've talked about this before, and I want to reiterate it. There's only one name through Jesus Christ, uh, through, through the God of, of eternity. And you see that here. Uh, and, and it's interesting because if you look further down in Acts chapter 4 uh, and you see uh, right before verse 12, it says about Jesus, he is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Meaning what? Meaning that it was the very evidence of his life that was repudiated by the Jewish people, by the Jewish leaders. And that life became the very capstone of history, the very capstone of eternity that God would put everything uh, as it related to our lives through Jesus Christ. Uh, and so it becomes important that we understand this uh, and that we bring this message to a world that is lost. That is why this this uh, message is so important. It's important for you to understand. It's important for the people uh, in the world to understand it as well. Look, she turned away from everything that she knew. She turned away from her culture, her people, her religion, and she embraced the Lord. There it is. So don't let somebody come to you and say, look, I, I, I like the message of what you're telling me, but I'm comfortable where I'm at. You know, I have family. If my family sees me moving on in this new direction uh, to born again people, they, they will repudiate me. Well, you know what? If that's the nature of the people, then get repudiated because your life is far more important. We're talking about eternity here. Not a few years in this miserable world, but eternity. And so we want to get this message across. She made a commitment to a true faith in God by making the proper decision on the priorities of her life. Look also in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 2. Actually, we'll start with verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Understand that. It's our very bodies that become the act of worship to God. As we give our bodies to God, all of our gifts, all of our talents, all of our worship, all of the righteousness that he has poured into our lives, walking hour by hour, day by day, so that the world can see, that becomes your act of worship. Verse 2, 
Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is a perfect lesson about the danger of conformity. This is a perfect lesson. What you see here is someone who had every possible right to continue to conform herself to the culture. She could have been safe in that house in the wall, right? She could have said, my family has been here for generations. These are my neighbors. These are my friends. I want to be with them. But instead, she understood the powerful hand of God in her life. And she stood out and she stood up for God. And she embraced the people of God. And she embraced God himself. And as a result, God lifted her up. She becomes the first Gentile convert. And more importantly, she becomes in the very lineage of Jesus Christ. And she makes the faith hall of fame uh, in Hebrews. What a powerful story this is. All about the truth of God. As you see the Jewish people coming out of the wilderness and walking into the promised land. And you see the promise that the, that the river will be dried up in three days. And then you see it again that the spies would be protected after they hid for three days. Understanding that even thousands of years before Christ would be born, God is writing in the heavens the nature of the foreshadowing of the birth and death of Jesus Christ. What a mighty story this is, people. And so I want you to continue to meditate on this and think about this during these difficult times as you're in your house. God will not abandon you. And so your lives become the very posters to a world that is lost about what it means for us to walk in Jesus Christ. You know, every day that goes by, even as we're quarantined, I feel a stronger impression that God is in charge of these events. I don't understand specifically where the plan of God is, but I got to believe that God has his hand on this virus and on this world. And I believe that there will be untold hundreds of thousands of people who will come to know God through this period of time. Hopefully, we will be part of delivering that message. We love you, church. Stay together. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this word. I ask you, God, to continue to be with our people and protect them. Lord, I ask you that this message be anointed and that it resonate in our hearts, that we understand what it means to have the truth of God in our lives and how we can't make decisions about who will be saved and who will not, but that only you can. And so we bow to your will in every possible way. Thank you, God. Continue to bring us together and protect us. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you.